You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. It's February 10th, 2016. I'm Melissa Gray. In today's episode, we hear from Marco Bailich, the executive producer of Olympic Ceremonies at Rio 2016. He spoke with Around the Rings editor Ed Hula about his vision for the Rio opening ceremony and how he's balancing the vibrancy of Brazilian culture with the economic hardships the country is facing. Bailich has an extensive career producing major ceremonies and events. He began his Olympic career in Salt Lake City in 2002 with the flag handover to the Turin Winter Games. Four years later, he produced the opening and closing ceremonies for the Turin Olympics. Today marks the 10th anniversary of the opening of those games in 2006. Bailich looks back on that event and how it became a turning point for both the Italian people and himself. Here's more of Ed's interview with Marco Bailich. What are your memories, reminiscences about the opening ceremony, February 10th? I remember a nation that didn't acknowledge that a major event was coming. Uh, it was, as you quite rightly said, kind of ignored. Uh, and then the next day of the Olympics, they woke up loving the Olympics and being very proud of Italy and what, you know, what we had uh, to offer to the world. And I think that was a very, a big wake up call, I would say, to, uh, you know, the sense of pride and the sense of acknowledgement of what we had. And, the best memory I've had is that uh, we had a fantastic uh, president of the Republic at the time who was a big fan of the Olympics and, in a way, of the, uh, of the national pride. And we had him to tears. Uh, we had him very emotional during the opening ceremony. And that, uh, and on, on two levels. One level was singing the national anthem with a little girl. And the second level, when we interpreted the dub, in a way, uh, you know, that then the TV broadcasted surrounded with the rings, and I think that will stay as probably one of the most meaningful dub. Uh, you know, the protocol we have to, exp- you know, dub we have to show the dub, and uh, it will stay as one of the most meaningful dub uh, segments ever done uh, in the Olympic ceremonies. And that, um, Edward, if I can uh, say now that has passed 10 years, I think the interesting thing, now that I'm, I'm being the executive producer of Rio uh, Olympics, uh, opening and closing ceremony, it, it poses, poses the, the, the question of spectacular show versus sustainability, which is a very interesting uh, sort of uh, question to be asked for the future of our beloved Olympics. This was not a question you had to answer necessarily in in Torino. This has come since Torino, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, in Torino it was very frugal, as you may remember. Uh, it was a lot of passion with little money. Uh, but then, uh, as you uh, probably know very well, it exploded uh, sort of the, uh, Beijing. We remember the phenomenal ceremonies of Beijing, uh, beautiful London, Sochi, the, the very beautiful and opulent ceremony of Sochi. And now that we are dealing in Rio with, you know, uh, sort of a, a difficult moment for the economy of that country, it really, it's important to preserve the beauty and the, uh, and the worldwide uh, statement that can be addressed uh, in an Olympic ceremony 
with a kind of a sustainability approach, meaning legacy, meaning living legacies, meaning uh, not try to, you know, uh, uh, as you go, go to Mars in terms of, of, of creating a show, but uh, try to work on the big values that the Olympics has to offer to the world. And uh, that is the genesis, uh, you know, that I went through with my approach, basically, as a ceremony. So uh, from frugal Torino to, you know, try to combine sustainability and spectacular approach uh, in Rio. But but I remember spectacular elements of the the, the ceremony in Turin, the, the skaters that looked like they were on rockets with the flames coming out the back of their skates. Uh, we had uh, Pavarotti as part of the music. and yeah. The last time he sang in front of the audience, he died shortly afterwards. And that was a very moving moment because he was very sick. And he decided to perform in front of the world. Uh, even though it was very sick, it took a, it took me one year to convince him. By the way, one year of going through this huge meal session to convince him that he had to perform in front of the world. But it is, uh, you know, the grandeur of the Olympics. He embraced that, and he loved to sing for the last time. Uh, Vincero, which is this, you know, I'm I'm going to win despite everything in front of the athletes. Uh, eager to study Olympics. And I think that was, yeah, a very beautiful moment. Also, if I remember, we worked a lot in trying to create a majestic entrance uh, for the athletes, creating those big rings that were forming in a uh, in a structure. And that we worked a lot in trying to create the perfect entrance for, for the athletes that can only be done in the Winter Olympics, as you uh, know very well because of the lesser number of athletes that participate to the athlete parade. And what do you do about the Summer Olympics athletes parade? You mentioned the athletes parade, and that's always the longest element, single element of uh, of an opening ceremony for the Summer Olympics. Is there any way to make it any any shorter without taking away from the power the presence of the athletes the athletes are number one but it takes so long almost two hours now to get them into the stadium you know the paradox is that we always try to find ways to make the ceremony shorter uh, on one side on the other side the nations that every year participate to the to the olympics grow so you had another, you know, maybe it was a bigger nation that crumbled into smaller entities. So you have to create other banners, other flags, other teams and, and parading. And the other point is that at the beginning, I was approaching the protocol as, oh, I must do the protocol. And now I think that the protocol is so much, is so important. It's the essence so, in a way, those two hours of athletes parading uh, with the look of, you know, gaining medals and participating and, and you know, that um, beautiful sort of energy that they bring along, I think it should be uh, staged in the best way possible. And 
because those are shining examples of, of you know, youth. And therefore, I think that um, I don't think we will ever get to a one-hour one parade, basically, because if you have to parade 12,000 kids or athletes, you have to give them the time to be exposed to the media. And for most of them, as you probably know very well, is the, the only moment where they get exposed where, you know, having so many sports that are not in the limelight of the, of the media. You said Torino had a frugal budget, frugal situation for ceremonies. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, Rio 2016 is experiencing some some pains as far as the money goes, not having all that they had hoped for some years ago. How has this affected what you're doing, what you're planning for the ceremonies uh, in, in August for Rio? Well, um, obviously, Edward, you know, I cannot say anything, disclose anything. And uh, as the uh, production entity, CC 2016, Ceremonia Cariocas um, is is very aware. We are all very aware that um, we have to respect the sort of the uh, the moment of Brazil in a way. On the other way, we all are aware and and understand how important it is the Olympic ceremony to convey and more and more every year to convey huge messages of hope, of peace, of of dignity or just of self-esteem for the countries, that um, it's always a fascinating process where money uh, cannot be the only element who can determine the quality of a show. And uh, I must say that the reaction of the people of Brazil is magnificent in terms of how they approach uh, this particular moment of difficulties, uh, it's really remarkable because they have a joy of life that is, you know, to me very new. And, uh, and to me it's very surprising uh, how they bypass or they uh, sort of go through the difficulties of having a harsh economical moment. You know, we have also a very strong Brazilian team uh, from a creative standpoint. And, and, and so I'm very comfortable that it will deliver the right message with the right tone for the games. While Bailich says he can't reveal details for this summer ceremony, he does promise a beautiful show full of energy and joy, not lacking in anything. He says he fell in love with the Olympics while producing the flag handover ceremony in 2002. He says he loves the way Olympic ceremonies combine beauty and universal themes. His goal, he says, is to convey messages that go far beyond the scope of his work. I must say the Olympic ceremonies um, put together the biggest group of talents that no other show in the world can put together. And I'm talking, there is no major feature film in Hollywood or no major uh, event, uh, sporting event, that can put together so much talent as the Olympic ceremonies in terms of music, costume, choreography, institutional statement, uh, passion, 
uh, participation with the volunteers. I mean, this whole thing combined put the show of the ceremony in a in a category by itself. Uh, there is something so special and so unique and so uh, enriching about um, uh, doing the Olympics that for me Torino was an eye opener. I, I was coming from television, and to be to do television, you have to be cynical because you have to create mechanisms of to create you know uh, difficulties or emotion or. In the Olympics, you just have to let the emotion grow and you have to stage the emotion that is already there. So you cannot be cynical about it. You cannot say, oh, I'll do this trick so I can get this reaction. You have to be the first one to be emotionally involved and, you know, and you have to believe in this, in what you do. That was Marco Balich, executive producer at Rio 2016, offering a glimpse of this summer's opening ceremony and looking back on the opening of the 2006 Winter Games in Turin 10 years ago today. Be sure to check out Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and on LinkedIn. I'm Melissa Gray. Thanks for listening. <music>